the more you're able to perfect your elevator pitch, the more you're able to effectively share your experience with people. Who knows who that person knows or what opportunities that door can open? Making sure that you have the right connections and the right network on LinkedIn is super, super important. So that way, when an opportunity does come up, it comes up on your feed as well. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. As many of you have probably noticed, we took the last couple weeks off. I had a vacation. Our producer, Kevin Zwicker, had a vacation. So we had a little bit of a two-week hiatus, but now we're back. We've got some great episodes lined up. I'm going to be heading to Hashtag Sports Conference next week and conducting a bunch of live interviews there. So a lot of exciting things on the horizon. Thanks for sticking with us as we went through that little bit of a, a little bit of a break, a little bit of a hiatus. But it got me thinking a lot over this little break that I tend to be a pretty competitive person. For anybody who's listened to this podcast for long enough and maybe knows me personally, I'm a pretty competitive person. And just before I went on break, I got an email from Hollis Brown, today's guest, asking about the show. Now, immediately, I knew Hollis. I knew who she was. Because Hollis launched a podcast two years ago called Outnumbered. And it's a great podcast, but that's skipping ahead a little bit. But I noticed it because it was in my wheelhouse. It was in the wheelhouse of this show. Outnumbered is about teaching and sharing and helping young people break into the sports industry. That's my niche, right? So I see that and I'm like, oh, who are, the, are these people here to challenge me? You know, like, let's go. Let's bring it on. And I get that way. And it bothers me sometimes. Like, I shouldn't be that competitive. Competitiveness is good, but you shouldn't really be closed off by it. And you realize sometimes that it's fear that can manifest itself as competitiveness, right? I see other people come in and start to build a podcast, and I think, maybe they're better than me. My little voice inside my head. Maybe they'll connect with the audience better. Maybe they'll generate more interest, more buzz, more. Maybe they're smarter. Maybe they're, and I start to get into this self-doubt phase. And then that turns into competitiveness. I want to take everybody on. Now, the reason I bring this up is because it's important sometimes to realize things about yourself. Realize those little things that you do that are maybe affecting your long-term growth, maybe affecting your overall ceiling, or at least you need to be aware of. So that's my initial feeling first couple months when I heard about this outnumbered podcast. And then I listened to it. It was really good. It was vulnerable. It was honest. It was straightforward. It had a great vibe to it. And I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. And then Hollis was nominated and accepted into the first ever cohort for the creators of color program through hashtag sports, which we are also associated with as part of work in sports. So I was like, I really like this girl. She's, she's got a lot going for her. She's doing a lot of cool things. She worked at ESPN prior. She went to Virginia Tech. Now she's working with Malky Bucks as the coordinator of partner strategy and management. And then we started talking. And we were like, let's do this. Let's have a conversation. Let's get into this. And as I started researching and looking into this even deeper, you know what's really cool? Hollis just won the Miss Wisconsin USA pageant. I mean, come on. She's going to be competing in the Miss USA. And if she wins, we'll go on to compete in Miss Universe. I'm not winning any pageants anytime soon. You guys have seen the YouTube channel. You know what I look like. So anyway, the point is, Hollis, where I started out feeling competitive and I felt like, oh my gosh, this is somebody getting into my space. The more I learned, the more I opened myself up, the more that I just thought about it and said, this is a cool person I want to get to know. 
and you start to really accept people for where they are, what they're contributing, and realize that there's a lot of space out there. You know, you think of the Michael Jordan meme, like, and I took that personally. And let's be honest, I'm not Michael Jordan, so I shouldn't be taking anything personally. Let's just enjoy that there's enough space for everybody to thrive. We don't always have to be super, super ultra competitive. Competitiveness, when it makes you get to your best, is great. But when it shuts you down to other people and opportunities, it's a bad thing. It's an important balance. But let's get into this conversation today with Hollis Brown, coordinator of partner strategy and management for the Milwaukee Bucks and Miss Wisconsin USA 2022. That is so cool. Hey, Hollis, how are you? This is so cool to be able to finally meet you and talk to you. Good morning. I am doing absolutely amazing. I'm so happy to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I've actually, I've been a fan of yours for a long time with your Outnumbered podcast and a lot of things you've been doing from the Creators of Color cohort with Hashtag Sports and just a lot of the amazing things you have going on. So I'm pretty excited to have this conversation. I hope you are too. I am. Let's get well, Let's do this. All right. <laughs> so I'd say the last couple of years have been a pretty, pretty much a roller coaster for you. A lot of highs and a lot of highs, a lot of lows, kind of up and downs. You know, a lot of people have had a difficult last couple of years, but I don't know that I've seen more than what you've gone through. So let's get into your journey. Let's get into that conversation. There are two very interesting things happening kind of in parallel in your story. When you were at Virginia Tech, you got into the pageant scene, winning the Miss Black and Gold pageant. And then you've also had this career path in sports. So these two things kind of going on. And we'll get into those ups and downs I was referencing earlier. But for right now, I see where you got into the pageant side from your experience at Virginia Tech. When did you kind of figure out the sports side? When did you kind of figure out, this is where I want to go. This is what interests me. This is what I want to pursue. So I figured out that I wanted to work in sports probably a little later than most. I think most people, either they played sports in middle school, high school, or even college. And then that's how they get that introductory into it because they just love that aspect of their life so much. And so they decide to pursue it as a career. Whereas me, I went to college thinking that I wanted to have a career in makeup <laughs> and beauty and fashion. Yep. I believe one of my advisors was like, well, are you sure? Because you're not going to make that much money starting off. It's very hardcore. You're going to have to hustle. Ultimately, like the movie, The Double Wears Prada. And I was like, ooh. Great movie. That out. Right, it is. <laughs> which is honestly why I think I wanted to go into the beauty industry. But then after thinking over it some more, I was like, ooh. I don't know if I'm cut out for that life because it does seem very intense and, you know, you want to get paid. And so I was like, yeah. let's <laughs> let's refigure this thing out. And so especially attending a D1 university with Virginia Tech, going to basketball and football games and kind of looking on the sidelines of the people working and the people like interacting with the players and the scoreboard and just making sure everything runs, just watching them, I was ultimately fascinated by that side of going to the games. And then from there, I was like, I wonder, you know, what that career path is like, what they can do. And ultimately working games, it's really fun. That's something I don't like having a boring job. I know I could never be an accountant or like work at a desk job from nine to five or just at my computer all day. I knew if I was pursuing a career, it had to be something that was entertaining where I could either go to games or go to events and interact with different people. And I think sports gives me that. And so from there, I was able to kind of articulate to the, to that same advisor that I was talking to. And they mentioned that our sports team actually had an athletic marketing internship. Mm-hmm. From there, you know, just connecting with them, applying. I want to say I applied to do it 
going into my junior year and I didn't get it. And I was absolutely devastated. But <laughs> fun fact, I know nothing about sports. So I'm starting to learn. Well, I'm not going to say starting to learn because clearly I'm in it right now. Mm-hmm. But I've learned a lot along the way. But back in college, I knew nothing. I knew football got touchdowns and basketball had three-point shots, but that's probably as far as my sports knowledge went. (laughs) And so in my interview for the athletic marketing internship, they were asking me all of these questions that I did not know the answer to. And so looking back, I clearly understand why I did not get it at that time. And then fast forward, knowing that that was something that I really, really wanted to pursue, especially to see if the sports industry was something that I could do full term. Um, Going into the summer of my senior year, I wanted to do everything in my power to get an internship. So that way, well, let me say this. So my goal in life is to make sure I'm always prepared. So that way, if I apply to something, it's very, very hard for you to tell me no. Like I always- Mm, It's a good goal. Right. (laughs) And so going into my senior year, I was like, what can I do to make sure that they can't tell me no to make sure that I'm overqualified and they just are kind of begging to have me on the team? Mm -hmm. So that's how I started my opportunity with Wasserman is looking at the Forbes. I want to say they have a top 100 sports agencies list. And so I applied to all of the agencies on the list because my mother always taught me that there's power in numbers. And so I applied to all of them. I only heard back from two. And then I finally got a summer internship offer from one, which is how I ended up at Wasserman. And then so going back into my senior year, I was able to reapply for that athletic marketing internship. And then I actually got it that time. So I want to say all of that kind of contributes into how I got my early start into sports. Yeah. Able to figure out that that was something that I wanted to pursue in the long term. So a lot of times when you start to get a little bit of positive momentum, much like you winning your first pageant, it drives you deeper into something, right? So you, if you had lost that first pageant, maybe you would have been like, "Ah, eh, this isn't really for me. I'm going to move on to something else. Right. But when you win or you find success, you go deeper. I want to do more. I want more of this action. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have that same experience when you went through your internship? So you do the internship with Wasserman. You do the internship at the uh, athletic department at Virginia Tech. When you started having success there, did that say to you, this is the right path. Now I want to go deeper. 100%, especially working with such a dynamic company as Wasserman, because yeah. managing players or like having a relationship with NBA teams are also working with brands. They're working with agents. They have a wide spread on literally everything that's going on in the world. And I think that really opened my eyes to how the sports industry sometimes isn't just sports. And so even if down the line, I want to work for an NBA team or if I want to work for a brand like Google or Spotify or just whatever it may be, it's Mm -hmm. all kind of interconnected. And so I think that's what really drove me into the world of just entertainment and sports and seeing how I can kind of navigate this world and this industry. Because as I'm sure you know, everyone knows each other. Everyone is very well connected. And Mm -hmm. so able to get as much experience as I could and really figure out what it is that I like and what it is that I don't like. I think that's what ultimately really drove my passion for it as well. Yeah, it's so important to kind of figure out that nuance. It's one thing to say, I want to work in sports. Another thing to figure out like what you want to do, what direction you want to head, all those little decisions you have to make based on your happiness. Right. So, okay, I'm a huge fan of having big brands on your resume, right? Something that when somebody sees your resume, it's like, oh, they worked at Wasserman. Oh, Virginia Tech. You know, those things really stand out and they make a great impression. What was that experience like for you at Wasserman? Such an iconic sports marketing agency. 
is so powerful in that whole scene. You going from Virginia Tech out to LA, like what was that? What was that entire experience like? Honestly, at the time, I don't think I realized how big of an opportunity <laughs> it, was. <laughs> I think, it is. It's a big one. Right, right. I think in that time, I was just like, I'm just happy to be here. I'm willing to give 110%. And yeah. it was also my first internship. And so I had a lot of the awkwardness that some college students have. Like, I wouldn't really take lunch breaks because I was scared to go to lunch for whatever reason, even though they would tell me, like, it came to the point where they would have to force me out of the office to go eat. Or I would <laughs> sit at my desk all day, do my work. I was the first in every day. I was the last in every day because since I was there for the summer, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have anything else to mm-hmm. do. I was like, why not just work? Yeah. <laughs> So I was always available. And now looking back, especially having the relationships that I've had from that opportunity, I see now and even seeing what they're onto now of like putting in the bid for the Olympics and just see yeah. what player they are in this industry. I'm just like, wow, girl, you were you were really on it at an early time to get in with such an awesome company. And I absolutely love um, working with Wasserman. Their culture is great. The people were great. It was just a really amazing summer. That's really cool. Uh, So, I mean, the big brands didn't stop for you. You graduate and boom, there's ESPN. (laughs) You were a marketing and events associate for college basketball. I mean, dream job for somebody that worked in, was in the athletic department at Virginia Tech. You're studying marketing in school. I mean, it is a great brand, great opportunity for growth and experience. These positions at ESPN are really difficult. I've talked to hundreds of people. I know hundreds of people that work there that have gone through their interview cycle, that have been quizzed and pushed and prodded and probed and like in order to get there. What do you remember most about that interview process and getting in at ESPN, initial impressions, that cool kind of first vibe? Yeah, so I think my story of how I got in with ESPN is a little different than most because I owe that opportunity to my mom. And so it all started off. Moms are great, aren't they? Moms, <laughs> thanks, mom. A little pushy, but it always works out. Because <laughs> at that time, I was actually working for another company um, where I was a sales consultant for the U.S. Open. I was working for the Aspire Group. And although it was paying the bills, it wasn't necessarily filling, it wasn't filling my cup. I knew that wasn't something mm-hmm. that I do long term, but you know, it was getting me through at the moment, especially introducing me into the world of sports as a full-time opportunity, but my mom actually attended a conference in Disney World. I'm not sure what the conference was called at the top of my head, but that's where she actually met one of my former bosses at ESPN. And they were just kind of talking in the food line as they were either getting lunch or dinner, um, whatever was established at that time. And they're just talking and conversing. And that's when it was shared that the woman worked for ESPN. And of course, you know, moms, well, are y'all hiring? Because my dad <laughs> for a job. And so, which is funny because at the time I was not looking for a job, but I really appreciate that she did that. And so from there, it turned out that they actually were hiring for the position that I received. And so I actually had a website or a digital portfolio where it had all of my experience and not only in a resume format, but it had pictures, videos, blurbs. It also had like my letters of recommendation, literally everything to get to know me in one spot. And so she was able to share that um, with with the women at the time and just looking at all of my experience at, and she was just like, wow, she is really qualified, not necessarily qualified, but a little overqualified. Like she mm-hmm. is, would be perfect for this opportunity. And so from there, my mom just kind of like shared my contact information. So I was able to go through 
a number of um, interviews within a week. And then I want to say maybe I got my first initial call that Monday following the meeting. And then throughout that week, had a couple of different calls. And then by Friday, I was offered the opportunity. And so it was a very, awesome. very quick process for me, which I'm very fortunate for. And then um, I was able to actually take on that opportunity and move from Atlanta to Charlotte to work for ESPN. Okay, so I want to be really clear for anybody listening. Anybody listening that hears what Hollis just said and thinks to themselves, oh, she got lucky, and oh, her mom met this person, and that can't happen for me, so lucky, lucky her. You're wrong, mm-hmm. right? You're dead wrong. Because if Hollis didn't have, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to talk to you in the third person here. I'm just saying, like, I'm addressing the audience right now. Um, <laughs> if Hollis didn't have the experience and the internship and the effort she put in, if she didn't have the digital portfolio, this person, just because her mom introduced herself to this person, they would have been like, they would have discounted her. Like they would have discounted you, Hollis, if you didn't have, now I'll come back to talking to you. They they would have discounted you if you didn't have the experience, if you didn't have the skill set, if you didn't have the knowledge and and, and could value add to ESPN. So it isn't about luck. It's about being ready for opportunity when it hits you. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Am I right here? 100%. And that's something that I even preach on my own podcast. It's just, you never know when an opportunity is going to hit. You never know who you're going to meet. Like my mom met someone in line of getting food at a conference. So you never know who like your path is going to cross. So make sure that you're always ready. You're always staying on top of not only your own experience, but what you can bring to a company. When people, especially when I was in college and they used to always say, have your elevator pitch ready. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, okay. I'll just go up (laughs) random. Tell people my experience in 30 seconds, but that's actually very true. The more you're able to perfect your elevator pitch, the more you're able to effectively share your experience with people, who knows who that person knows or what opportunities that door can open. I also love, I think your digital portfolio and having a one place that somebody can go to learn so much about you mm-hmm. is so much more effective than just having a LinkedIn page or something right? along that lines. I love that you did that because I do think that stands out. That's that 1% more that everybody has a LinkedIn page. What else are you doing? You know, like going 1% further than everybody else can be that differentiator in such a competitive marketplace that sports is. Uh, so, okay, let's talk about the CSPN role. You did a bit of everything, social operations, marketing, budgeting, partnerships, as you look back at that experience, another iconic brand, another iconic place, what are some of those foundational skills that you were developing there that have really helped you in your career moving forward? Ooh, I think some of the main things that I learned in that opportunity is one, being able to see how all of the different departments or how everything kind of works together to contribute to one opportunity. Before ESPN, I didn't know the world of corporate partnerships and I didn't know the world of like operations or how, how big hospitality plays into things. I thought people just go to a basketball game. You got, you know, you have the players, you have the yeah. operations, the scoreboard, but that's kind of it. I didn't realize how much and how much planning goes into creating these opportunities for people, yeah. families. And so I think that was one thing that was really big for me, especially seeing the business side of the operation. So I absolutely love the world of sports business. And that's really what drives me within this industry. And so being able to see how everything plays together was super important to me. And then two, I think the foundation was working at ESB. And that was honestly my introduction into corporate partnerships. And as you can see now, especially with me working for the Buds and Corporate Partnerships, from that opportunity, I knew that that was exactly what I wanted to do. I knew that's the area that I wanted to focus in on and really grow within the industry. And so I owe everything to ESPN because they taught me 
kind of the departments that I didn't really want to work in, but mm-hmm. they also taught me the departments that I really wanted to pour my all into. Yeah. I think that's so important, find it, figuring out that career clarity. Like when you do internships in college and sometimes they go well and sometimes they go bad, like it helps you figure out and zero in on where you're supposed to be. Your first job, you're going to get exposed to a lot. It helps you zero in a little bit further and then you go deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's what we're talking about. That's that theme today of, you know, finding out what really interests you and drives you and makes you passionate that makes you want to go deeper. And that's that's so cool that you were able to figure that out at ESPN. But let's not be super happy with ESPN here because COVID hits and one year into your dream position, your job is contracted. Right. So many, many, many people dealt with discouraging events like this during COVID. A lot of people lost their jobs. I'm not minimizing any of that. And a lot of people are still on the rebound right now. But the easiest thing to do in that kind of a situation is to get angry, to get frustrated, to blame, you know, but, but that doesn't solve anything. That doesn't fix anything. Right. Uh, that just leads to more frustration, right? So how did you stay positive? You know, the, you're just getting all this momentum in your career. Great things are happening. And then pff, the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. How did you stay positive and persevere through that? Oh, it was hard. I'm not even going to lie to you. It was very yeah. hard, but having a strong support system between my parents and my boyfriend and friends and my dog. I feel like me and my dog got to know each other a lot, spending all that time in our apartment during COVID. True. And so just having a very strong support system was helpful. And then I am also someone that's really big on pouring into myself. And so as I mentioned earlier about how to make sure you're ready for when that opportunity does come and making sure you're staying on your toes, that was super important to me. So during that time of uncertainty, I was able to pour everything I had into my podcast. So that's when Outnumbered really kind of took off for us. And we've had we've been in a little hiatus just because, especially with my job and the bugs thing. Life's busy. Yeah. (laughs) I know. And even with Kelly, she started a new job with Virginia Tech Athletics. So things got a little crazy on her end as well. But during the COVID, I want to say that's when we were really at our prime moment. We were able to do a digital summit where we had people um, call in and we were able to have numerous speakers. But then we were also to share the stories of other women within the sports industry. And so we always like to say we're making a mistake so you don't have to. So like if we Mm -hmm. did something in our career that didn't work, please don't apply it to yours. But if we did something that did work, absolutely apply it to your career. And so ultimately Outnumbered was started for us to share our journeys to successful careers within the sports industry. So we were very transparent on both of us because at that time, Kelly and I both worked for ESPN and both of us lost our contract um, Mm. when COVID hit. So we were kind of in the same predicament of figuring it out, kind of doing odd jobs or doing jobs the past the time so that way we can still have income while we were consistently networking. And so I think having those outside opportunities where you're able to pour into and so that way, one, you don't kind of disappear on the world of like LinkedIn yeah. because our names are still kind of rolling through since we were talking to so many people as guests on the show. But then also so that way you're kind of staying busy and you're staying on your toes, which I think is also very important. And then I was also during that time of uncertainty introduced to the NBA Future Sales Stars program. And so that kind of took up a lot of my time as well and also allowed me to connect which at the time, what I hoped would be my next opportunity. And thankfully, it did lead to that. And so being able to put yourself in positions where you're consistently learning and you're kind of going to have to grind because I know COVID was very hard for a lot of people. 
But that was also the time where you saw a lot of people really step into their own opportunities, into their own projects. And so it really set people up for success, especially now that we're coming out of that COVID era. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. I think the idea of being, you know, taking an aggressive go after it kind of viewpoint is so smart. Like you had that roller coaster going down and you said, this is where I can create and get out there and continue my personal brand growth and start the podcast, uh, which is great. And everybody should listen to it when you come off. Well, all your past episodes. And then when you come off hiatus, you can go back. People can start listening to it again. But um, I do believe that action leads to success. You know, it's like if you sit back and wait, nothing's going to happen. But if you get after it, it may not be a straight line. It may not happen exactly as you expect it to, but taking action and taking control of your life is the thing that's going to get you out. That's the thing that's going to be that first step. So talk about a little bit about that Future Stars program and then how that initial, how you got that opportunity with the Bucks. Yes. Yeah, so that, it was a very long year, <laughs> a very long year. I, during um, that time from May 2020 to May 2021, like I mentioned, I did a couple of odd jobs. So I actually worked for an accounting agency. I want to say maybe a month. You just said you didn't, you never wanted to be an accountant earlier. That confirmed <laughs> that that was not. <laughs> I think I did that for maybe a month and then that, that wasn't it. Um, and then I actually also worked for Lowe's for another month, again, trying to do these odd jobs and yep. again, realized that that was not for me. So I did that for maybe a month. And then so from there, I actually was scrolling through LinkedIn. And so this is something that I always tell people as well, is that try to put yourself in place for opportunities, because there's tons of people posting of different things on LinkedIn. But if you're not following the right people, you'll never see that. And so making sure that you have the right connections and the right network on LinkedIn is super, super important. So that way, when an opportunity does come up, it comes up on your feed as well. And so fortunately, I was able to follow the right people. And I saw the NBA Future Sales Stars program pop up on my timeline. And at that time for the sales program, it had a concentration in sales and corporate partnerships. And as I mentioned earlier, especially with my time at ESPN, I knew corporate partnerships was exactly what I wanted to go into. And so I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm Mm -hmm. definitely going to sign up for this opportunity. Fast forward to maybe a week before or a day before the application was due. Somehow I talked myself out of applying because honestly, I don't know why or how I talked myself out of the opportunity because that is another thing that I preach is always Never let yourself tell you no or that you're not qualified for something. Always let the other person tell you if you're not. So always Mm -hmm. put your foot in, always put your hat in and see what happens. And so during that time, I actually convinced myself that it wasn't a good fit and that I wasn't going to be chosen for the opportunity, yada, yada, yada. And so being able to have um, a conversation with Kelly and kind of like talk to everything, I think maybe an hour or two before the application was due, I finally decided that I wanted to apply. And so trying to scramble everything together to kind of meet the deadline. And it's so funny, especially looking back. And so as I was trying to apply for the opportunity, my computer was dying. And so as I went to get my charger (laughs) to plug it in, it turns out my charger had died. And and of course, at this point, it's like 10, 11 p.m. So Best Buy, Walmart, none of those places are open. And so I had to call Kelly And she's actually applying on my behalf. And so she has me on FaceTime and I'm answering all the questions as she's typing it in. I'm emailing her. 
I was able to find it in like an old email where I shared with someone else. And so we're really pulling this thing together. And fortunately, we were able to get it in at the deadline. And then at that point, I was like, you know what, God is out of my control. It's meant to be. But if not, you know, I'm happy that I actually turned in something and I was able to contribute to that. And so from there, I want to say maybe a few weeks or a month after I got an email saying that I made it to the next round. And the next round was a video, um, one of those pre-recorded video interviews where they ask you a question and you record yourself answering it, uh-huh. send it off. And so I <laughs> I did that one and I laughed because from that interview, I just knew I was not going to be accepted into the program again, because in one of the questions, I forget exactly what they asked me. But in the middle of my video recording, I started talking and then I go, wait, that's not what I meant to say. That's not how I want to answer that question. So <laughs> And then I just stopped there and that's what got submitted because I didn't realize for sometimes, you know, you get like two or three chances to re-record mm-hmm. it, but for theirs, you only had one chance. One chance. <laughs> oh no. One chance. And so once I submitted it, I was like, oh my gosh, that was my answer to that question. So I was like, you know what, <laughs> like the NBA, I just knew it was going to be super competitive. I was like, well, that was it. That was your one shot. And you blew it by saying you don't know in the middle of the video call. And so <laughs> fortunately, as we know how the story ends, I was able to actually be brought into the program. And so I guess thankful, thankfully to whoever was watching that video, thank you for being <laughs> forgiving of me and realizing that I am human. But participating in that program was so amazing and it was better than I ever could have imagined. And so I want to say in the beginning, especially since we were the inaugural program for the NBA, um, either we met bi-weekly in the beginning or monthly, but we actually met pretty frequently and it was different presentations every time. And so um, every time we met, I want to say the cohort was a good 30 to 40 of us and we would meet on Zoom um, every week or not every week, but that bi-weekly or monthly time that I mentioned. And then there would be different NBA executives on the call, kind of sharing their journey. And then we would also have presentations. So they would talk about sales. They would talk about corporate partnerships. They would talk about what makes the NBA and kind of like their national partnerships. They would talk about things on a team level, things that were specific to certain teams. And so I think being able to kind of get that background or behind the scenes insight to the NBA especially the things that people don't talk about or you can't easily Google, like their case studies. When I tell you, I was drawn in every time I had my pen and paper, I was writing, I was so mind blown, especially being able to see the analytics and the thought process that went into all these things that when people just attend games, you think you're just there to cheer on your team, but it's just like all of these- So much more. Right, is all these little factors that go into making an experience what it is for a fan. And so I absolutely love that program. And from there, (laughs) to be completely transparent, especially since I didn't have a job at that time, my mom was very much on me and she was like, you need to leverage these connections and this Mm -hmm. network. You need a job coming out of this. I don't know what to tell you or how to make it happen, but- I like your mom. Your mom's a smart lady. (laughs) She was on it. She was like, you need to be on- personal introductory Zoom calls with everybody, you need to really leverage this opportunity. 
And so from there, um, she was absolutely right. And so I want to say maybe over Christmas, we all had a project of where you had to do an elevator pitch. So here we go again with the elevator pitches. Mm -hmm. And you had to pre-record yourself, I want to say maybe in 30 seconds or less, where you talking to the president of an NBA team that you wanted to work with. I know. And you had to record yourself and submit it. And then from there, they were going to choose the top maybe five or 10 videos to share in front of everybody. And so from that, I was like, I need to make sure that my video is the one that is going to be shown while they displayed in front of everybody, especially how I said that they were executives on the call and like not only um, NBA executives, but they were team executives as well. So you just never know what can happen. And fortunately, my video was one of the ones that was chosen. And looking back, yeah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Looking back, I realized how animated and extra I was. Because all the other videos are just like, hi, I'm so-and-so. I want to do this, this, and this. Whereas my video was like, good morning. My name is Paul. <laughs> I had like my arms going. I was standing up. It was just very different energy than what some of the other videos were showing, which ended up working out in my favor because after they showed my video, I want to say maybe a good like 10 or so teams reached out to me just to get to know me a little bit more and have a Zoom call and just for me to share my story. And I absolutely love that, especially being on the receiving end. It's kind of like I was in control and really had the opportunity, which most people do not have this opportunity. But I had the opportunity to not only share my story, but really get to know everyone that I was speaking to and see what opportunity could be the best fit for me. And I think that's how I was able to connect with Paul B from the Milwaukee Bucks. And Mm. he is the VP of sales for our team. And everything that he said, he was just a very personable person. But I also respect and appreciate the fact that he cared for my interests as a person. I was able to talk about my podcast. I was able to talk about pageantry. I was able to talk about all of these things that make up Hollis, not just kind of sticking to the sports side. And one thing that really resonated with me is because, of course, in my elevator pitch, I mentioned how I wanted to go into corporate partnerships. And one thing that Paul said that no other team really kind of hinted at or gave me that opportunity is he said that I know in your elevator pitch, you mentioned you wanted to go to, into corporate partnerships, but would you ever consider a career in sales? And I said, well, you know, Paul, I've kind of gone the sales route before. (laughs) And although it was interesting, I don't think it's my best fit. But, you know, I'm open to seeing what that opportunity could lead. But I know my long-term goals is corporate partnerships. And from that conversation, he said, I completely understand. And so having me connect with other people in the sales department, they were very transparent on how if corporate partnerships was my goal, they would help me kind of strengthen my skill set so that way one day when an opportunity opened up, I would hopefully be able to transition over there. And so connecting me to the right people, making sure that a lot of my sales goals or tactics or even just department goals were centered around either strengthening my B2B skills or how I communicated with different businesses, connecting with um, the VP of corporate partnerships, Karita, who I absolutely love and is my current boss now, but just making sure that the opportunity was there for whenever, you know, something opened up on the business development side for the Bucks. I was able to kind of be a really good fit for it. And fortunately, it did work out. So I was able to come in as a sales associate for the Bucks. I want to say May 2021. 
And then I was able to kind of interview and fortunately get a position as partner strategy and a management coordinator for the Bucks as well in that November. It's pretty amazing to to go on that upswing again and to advocate for yourself and to say what you want and to to speak it into existence in some ways. Um, seven months as a sales associate with the Bucks, right? Again, then you get that co- promotion to coordinator of partner strategy and management, which is the dream. This is where you wanted to go and wanted to head. At right? the same time, you're also preparing to run in the Miss Wisconsin USA pageant. So now <laughs> you've got a podcast, a full time gig, pageant prep. Plus, you just overcome some of the job loss and transition. There's a lot going on for you at this point. What did you learn about yourself during this kind of two-year phase where you went down, you were out, you were battling your way back up, and then you just, now your your schedule is insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> what did you kind of learn about yourself through this process? Oh, yes. To say my schedule is insane Probably an understatement. (laughs) It's very crazy right now, but I've learned and I'm still learning just how I deal with life and kind of what ultimately I want from all of these opportunities. Because I think right now with the time that I'm living in, I'm actively living all of the dreams that I prayed for a few years ago. I honestly did not expect them to all happen at the same time. (laughs) But I'm very fortunate that, like you said, I'm able to have my dream job of corporate partnerships. And I'm also able to prepare for Miss USA, which a lot of people cannot say. And so being able to, one, really prioritize self-care and taking in those moments of silence or taking in those moments where I can just completely decompress and be myself is very important. But then also, I thought I was organized before. But I really had to kind of up my organization skills because it is a lot going on. And being Miss Wisconsin USA 2022 is ultimately like having a second job. And so you have to be on it as far as your appearances, as far as having your own sponsorships and really leveraging your personal brand from that aspect as well. But then also working for an NBA team, that's very much a new level of Dress, but also excitement in its own way, especially since I'm so new to the opportunity and being able to really fully divulge myself into my career as well and give 110% of myself everywhere is really finding that balance. And I think being more organized or really kind of taking my organization to a new level has been super important to my foundation of being successful. So congratulations on winning Miss U- Wisconsin USA. We were saying that you were preparing for it, but you let the cat out of the bag there a little bit. You won. You are Miss Wisconsin USA 2022, which absolutely makes you a first on this show because we've not had any beauty pageant queen, anybody like that on this show before. Uh, <laughs> testament to you. Congratulations. And I think that dynamic of building your career and being able to go down this other path of passion, I think is so cool and so important. I mean, no offense to former guest Dan Duquette, but he and I aren't winning any beauty pageants. So <laughs> you are definitely a first. I've always felt like this podcast, because we get a, a pretty, we get a good audience, right? I've always felt like this podcast was a platform for me to be able to share things that were, and for the rest of the work and sports team, to be able to share things that were important to us, not only to illuminate on people's careers, to be able to help in that way, but to also talk about things like 
voting rights, diversity in the sports industry, elevating women in sports, Special Olympics. These are things that are passionate and important to us that we think are bigger than just our job. Right. What is this platform for you, being Miss Wisconsin USA, competing in the Miss Universe competition and Miss USA? What does this platform do for you? How are you going to use that over the next year? Yeah, I think it's really helped me realize how powerful my voice is and how powerful my platforms are. Because I think so often, especially with posting on social media, you think you're watching and your family and your friends are watching and that's kind of it. And you forget kind of the reach that social media has until something happens where you see someone commenting from France or you see someone mm-hmm. commenting from Ireland. And you're like, oh, my post made it, <laughs> you know, to yeah. you're just somewhere where you never really expected. And I think it also shows how different we are, but also how much the same in a lot of the causes that we care about and our beliefs and how we all want to see women's right grow. And then also, you know, just women empowerment. I'm really big on women empowerment, which is also why I started the podcast. But I think I really want to use this platform. And I'm still kind of getting the hang of it because in full transparency, social media, I'm usually a private person. And being open and posting things, especially my thoughts or random feelings on social media. I'm still getting the use of being completely vulnerable on that platform, but I really hope, especially in the next year and moving forward, is finding my voice and how I'm able to talk about some of the causes that I'm really passionate about, such as sexual assault awareness. And then also another platform is just like elevating women within the corporate and career space. And so- Being able to find ways to not only pique other people's interests, but also pour into myself. I think we all have a very unique and a very special journey and story to everyone in this world. And so being able to share that and hopefully inspire and create a community from that as well. I think it's hugely inspiring. I think this entire story and journey is incredibly inspiring. So I think you'll, you're going to master the art of this platform pretty quickly, I'm sure. <laughs> Let's finish up with this. Your podcast, Outnumbered, which we've mentioned a couple of times during the show and is so important. You focus a lot on helping young professionals, especially women, hence the name Outnumbered, uh, get started in the sports industry, which is a mission very dear to my heart as well. You're a role model to a lot of people. A lot of young women, I'm sure, are looking up to you. A lot of people trying to break into the sports industry are looking up to you. Because you're showing a path and inspiring others, which I think is a really beautiful thing. When young people, like if a, if a young person came up to you today and said, I, I want to follow in your footsteps, I want to do the same kind of thing, I'm interested in the same kind of things, I want to pursue this, what kind of advice would you give them? How would you set them on the right path? Well, one, and that actually happens pretty often where people I bet on LinkedIn, and I actually have a link where they're able to set up a call with me, and we can just kind of like talk through it, so I'm able to give them kind of specialized advice and what I think would be really helpful for their career free of charge. I know sometimes people charge for their time or things like that, but mine is just completely free um, because I do want to help. I know how hard it is starting off in the beginning. And so I always give people the advice of two things. The first thing is to try everything. You don't fully know what's out there, similar to how I didn't know about the world of corporate partnerships. And now I realize that that's my dream job. So put yourself in the opportunity to try and connect with everything and everyone. So that way you get a full scope of what opportunities are out there and you have a better understanding of, you know, what career path you could make. So that's definitely number one. 
And then number two is don't count yourself out. Apply for everything. And that's something my mom taught me is that, you know, there's strength in numbers. And so how I mentioned before how I applied to the over 100 sports agencies on the Forbes list, but I only heard back from two and I only got an offer from one. So imagine if I had only applied to 50 of them, would I have gotten that one opportunity? Or just knowing that the odds are not really in your favor just because this is such a competitive industry. And so the more you're able to apply and, you know, worst comes to worst, you have the internship and it's not a good fit or, you know, you have an interview and it's not a good fit, but you at least a were able to strengthen your interview skills and get a better understanding on the types of questions that people ask. And two, you're able to kind of get in front of more people in the industry Because who knows if you had an interview or an internship that maybe wasn't a good fit, but you articulate that, they may be able to help point you in the right direction that may be a better fit for you. So I think being extremely transparent on your journey will help lead you to the opportunity that is the best fit for you. Hollis, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I think the advice you're sharing is brilliant. I think the journey that you've been on is so unique and so inspiring that so all of the people in the audience can can pull some things from it and really learn and enhance their own abilities to to shine out there. So thank you so, so much for coming on the show and sharing it off with us today. Oh, no. Thank you so much for having me. I've been a listener of this podcast forever. And oh. I've been taking some interviews when we were um, at the Creators of Color I want to say conference or outing. Yeah, the media. Right. And unfortunately, we weren't able to connect, but I had it on my bucket list that this was going to happen one day. So I'm glad. Wow. I made somebody else's bucket list. That's amazing. No, that's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm I'm flattered to even hear that. Yes, you were on my bucket list. So now check that off. Now it's happened. It's real. We'll have to do it again sometime. Let's do it again in six months. How about that? Of course. Who knows what opportunities I'll be in at that time. I know. You're the one that's on the the cool journey right now. I want to keep learning from you. Thank you, Hollis. No, thank you. Thanks to Hollis for coming on the show. I had been looking forward to this conversation for a couple weeks now. The whole time I was on vacation, I knew this was coming. I knew this was going to happen. And I was really excited about it. And you see why from that conversation. Uh, Really getting her experience, cutting her teeth at ESPN, getting in with the Milwaukee Bucks, a lot of cool experiences there. And I would imagine... Part of the reason she's so personable is because of this pageant experience. I mean, once you get up on stage and you have to perform the way that they do, uh, I have to imagine everything else seems a little bit easy after that. So I can't wait to keep following her journey and seeing where she takes it from here. Thanks to everybody for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Trust me, rating, sending a little bit of a review in there helps us remain high in the podcast rankings, which lets new listeners find us. And that's really important to our overall growth. So if you can contribute in that way, it would mean the world to me. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you on Monday.